Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Matt Harmon and psyched to be joined by my buddy Scott Pianowski. Scott. What's going on, man? We've got a packed show and uh, surprisingly a lot of things to talk about here on July 12th. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, there's a lot of wide receivers on the schedule today and nobody better to talk about wide receiver fantasy value or just scouting than you. you, you know, that's your bread and butter. And then we get to talk about, look, I'm from New England and I, I've lived in Michigan for you know a couple of decades. So you know, I, I would like the, the Detroit area teams to be good, but I don't live and die with them. But I'm feeling the, the the plucky, the spunky Detroit Lions. They'll be the second part of our show. We'll, we'll do a preview for them. And they were a fun team last year. They were they covered, what, like 11 games, I want to say, even though they had a losing record. Dan Campbell was an easy guy to rally around. Obviously, uh, Ron St. Brown was terrific down the stretch. And now they, they have – it used to be you just kind of laugh at the Lions and not draft any of those guys. There's actually people <laughs> on this team we want to draft, and we're not sure what to do. So yeah, that will be the second part of our show. But, again, I'm really excited that I'm getting to talk to you because not only will I be offering my input, I mean, I'll, I'll be picking your brain because, again, this is what you bunker down and you run tape and, and you you know do all these this grading and you have this methodology and everything to get receivers right. And we're at a time where fantasy your wide receivers are really important fantasy. I mean, they're, they're kind of the first round is changing now. There's just more, more people. I see more people like a two or three or four saying, yeah, I want Chase. I want Jefferson, you know, guys like that. So um, I think this is a really important discussion. Let's get to it. Yeah, it's a good time to be in the wide receiver business. Um, first and foremost, obviously, because this offseason, there was so much movement, like you said, at the top of the wide receiver market. But every year it feels like we get a great new crop of players in the draft and then coming into their second year is really when these guys start to break out. So like you said, let's not waste any more time. Let's jump right into it. Uh, you mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown. We are going to save him for the Detroit Lions section. So we are going to talk about kind of the most relevant guys here um, outside of Amon Ross St. Brown to, to get started. And let's start at the top. Uh, the, the guy, obviously you mentioned Jamar Chase. He's right up there among some of the best receivers coming into fantasy this year. I guess the question is, Scott, do you care at all? I don't, I don't think, I don't think there's any questions about him as a player. Let's just get that out of the way. Like he is a bona fide star can do everything extremely well. Like I think he's already a legit near elite number one wide receiver already just based on him as an individual player. I think the question about him in fantasy is, do you care at all about any sort of like per target, 
per route regression potentially coming his way because there's a lot of other guys in this offense. You know, he's probably not going to see the dominant target share of a guy like Justin Jefferson or Cooper cup or something like that. So do you care about any of that stuff? Or do you have questions about the Bengals offense as a whole? This is one of those chicken egg things where if, let's just say the Bengals were constructed without T Higgins, without Tyler Boyd. And it was okay. Every target off the bus is to Jamar chase. People would say, well, Hey, wait a minute. They're going to be easy to defend. They have one guy, they have one major threat. Um, So it's, it's always like, do we want our players to be target hogs and the only show in town? And there to be a huge disparity between their talent level and their teammates, or do we want them to be, supported by other threats. You know, I'm, I'm really curious to see what happens this year where Travis Kelsey doesn't have Tyreek Hill running down the field and, and stretching it out as great as Travis Kelsey is. I mean, it's going to be a different shape. You know, MVS is not Tyreek Hill, you know, or some of the guys, Scott, you know, we'll see when you know, Sky Moore develops, whatever it is. So I actually think Chase is in the sweet spot where he's clearly the number one receiver here. And I'm like, I'm a huge T Higgins fan. I'm not here to, to slam T Higgins. And we, we actually hit some props on T Higgins in the Super Bowl. Appreciate that T, but I'm a huge Joe Burrow fan. I'm a huge T Higgins fan. They've upgraded the offensive line. And I think Chase is in the sweet spot where he's the clear number one, but he is supported by other threats in the offense where it's not like every team can say, okay, off the bus, our priority. I mean, some teams may defend them. Uh, the Bengals is like Chase is their priority, but it's not like he's such an on such an island or, or just so isolated in talent that he has to worry about like the entire defense just swarming to him. I, I think it's a nice mix. Long story short, just the fantasy takeaway is this: I'm proactively drafting Jamar Chase. I am. I want as much chase and Jefferson as is reasonable. It doesn't mean they'll be on all my teams. Obviously, if you draft like 11th or 12th in the league, you're not going to get those guys anyway, but I'm going to be overweight or overboard or you know, over mark, you know, over regular share, however you want to say it on both of those guys. And I actually don't know. I don't have a great way to, to break the tie. It's just funny how they were all on the same team at one point. And I, I wish I had paid more attention to Joe, to Joe Burrow's Heisman trophy season. I meant his speech was unbelievable. I, I Joe Burrow had me for life at that Heisman trophy speech, but all in on Jamar Chase, I could take him as early as three or four in a draft. And I think, again, the sweet spot, he's he's the guy, but there's enough other guys that he's going to benefit from them as well. Yeah, I think that Chase and Higgins, and I wrote a piece on this for the website before I went on vacation, like th- those two guys are the new Mike Evans and Chris Godwin to me. Like they're a 1A, 1B combination. Um, I don't really care about you know debating too much between these guys because – at their current ADPs, I think they're both good targets. And really, honestly, Scott, like these first four guys that we're going to talk about, none of them project for like that clear alpha target share because there are other really good options around them. Chase, obviously, I think is in the best ecosystem of these first four guys that we're going to talk about. So like you said, that sort of breaks the tie. For me, it's not so much as like, oh, well, you know, he won't get as much you know, double coverage or defensive attention, but it's just the offense is going to be better because there are all these other threats that even when option one is taken away or isn't in the most favorable position, they can go to Tyler Boyd. They can go to T Higgins. And um, obviously Joe Mixon's a good running back as well. So let's move on to Jalen. Uh, let me, let oh, me yeah, just back it. up. Yeah. Just really quickly. That's the trade-off you make, right? If you want a true target hog in an offense, that probably means his offense isn't that good and yeah, they're not going to score as much. So, so you have to, you, you might say, well, okay, I, I wish 
you know, you mentioned in the year, I wish Jamar Chase had maybe 20 more targets than he did. You know, we were always were jumping up and down, like why don't the Titans throw to AJ Brown more stuff like that. But that we want players in it's the simplest thing in the world, right? We want to get talented players and offenses going to score a lot of points. And a lot of that's going to filter to our talented player. Really simple, right? Nothing complicated there. But if you're going to draft players on talented offenses, it's going to mean they're going to be surrounded by talented teammates. And there's going to have to be a sharing element involved. The fact that chase is at the front of that line. And also again, no slight to his teammates, but if they're going to throw a 75 yard touchdown pass, it's probably to Jamar Chase. He's the game breaker on an offense that does have a lot of talent. So I, I just want to make it very clear. He's a green light player for me. He's a guy. He's, if we were drafting together, you and I, or, you know, if I was listening, you know, dear listener, if you and I were doing a team together. And one of the, one of the choices was Jamar Chase. I'd be pounding the table for Jamar Chase. He's an early pick for me in 2022. I agree with everything you just said. Um, Jalen Waddle. There's going to be a sharing element here because obviously Tyree Kill, who talk about game break or talk about one of the best receivers in the NFL, has now entered this ecosystem that is also going under change because there's a new head coach, Mike McDaniel, offensive coordinator, obviously, uh, from the San Francisco 49ers. There's a whole sort of like structural change here. I don't think that the little goofy RPO offense that they ran last year in Miami, I don't think it's going to really look anything like this version of like a potentially more traditional West coast style offense um, with obviously a lot of the kind of more modern sprinkle that the current Shanahan offenses have run. Uh, so the interesting question here is with Jalen Waddle, who there hasn't really been um, a different, like difference with a guy like Devonta Smith. Like I think the, the ADP like has reacted to the fact that a dominant alpha receiver has entered Philadelphia and has pushed Smith down the board. Waddle, I think maybe we haven't seen that as much. So how are we feeling about this second year receiver? who I think we all agree is a really, really good player. Um, but what is like, we're projecting a, a lower target share than you probably would have liked with a quarterback that we have questions about and an offense that probably is going to lean more run heavy than most across the league. So that's three things there that I think you have to ask pretty big questions about. Yeah, which is probably why I, you know, I go traffic, traffic light. I'm going yellow light on Waddle and I'm just a little bit nervous. We're going to find out if two is good because they've set up, they've set him up to be successful. And the great thing about Tyreek Hill is he's one of those players that no matter what he does in the box score, he helps you because every play, the opponent has to be afraid yes. that Tyreek Hill's going to run by everybody and score an 80 yard touchdown. You know, I always say Randy Moss changed football. Because when he came into the league, the object of defense was like, oh, my God, we can't allow an 80-yard touchdown pass to Randy Moss every play. What are we going to do? Well, it's back up our safeties. Like, they're practically out of the stadium now. And it just changed defense. It, it changed the whole objective of what you were trying to do. Tyreek Hill's that type of guy. You know, Deshaun Jackson was that type of guy. Uh, Tyreek Hill's probably the best version of that type of guy. But how does he mesh with Tua? You know, Waddle, even as he was impressive in his rookie year, it was not aesthetically pleasing to me to just to watch you know, the way they used them with that tiny a dot and all the throws you know, right after the snap and all the short catches. You didn't average 10 yards a catch. That's not Waddle's fault. That's the offense he was placed in. And so the question is how much more, you know, we saw him at Alabama. It's not like this guy can't run the intermediate routes. And I'm curious how he graded. I, I don't even know what type of stuff they ran other than all those quick hitters last year. I'm curious how he graded in your metrics as a downfield receiver, but I'm curious how Miami's going to look, how two is going to be in a real offense with fully supported. But as you said, they're going to run a lot. 
I think the defense is going to allow them to run a lot. I think they have that look of a, you know, a 10 and seven, a nine and eight team, a quasi contender. And I don't think they want to be an aerial circus. So I'm probably going to watch this with much interest. And I think a lot of times when we'll be doing that Sunday night wrap up show, we'll be talking about like a, a game Miami just had, and we'll be, you know, sharpening our two takes and stuff like that, or how, how Tyreek Hill likes things. I talked last week about, I wonder if Tyreek Hill a month into this will be like, man, I'd pay my way back to Kansas city because it's just <laughs> going to be so different with what he's getting into. But uh, Waddle for me is not a proactive pick. I'm not against taking him, but I just the quarterback makes me nervous. And this is a team that probably more than most teams, I think, wants to have a running component to their offense. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of the right way to, to go about it. On Jalen Waddle, the player, I think he absolutely shows the ability to get open on dig routes, post routes, nine routes, corner routes, like the more downfield vertical patterns, like the intermediate areas, like you mentioned. There's a lot more to his game than sort of those little bunny hop targets that he got last year. It just, the question is, can the quarterback can consistently hit those plays? And I also wonder too, I feel like Jalen Waddle because Tyree Kill obviously is a, is a big time game breaker. You know, he can take a slant and, you know, run at 80 yards of the house, whatever. But I think if you're designing like yak opportunities, I feel like Jalen Waddle's probably the, the slightly better player there. I kind of wonder if he stays in that short area target role, because if you're throwing deep balls, like, I mean, Jalen Waddle, I think has the potential to be a great deep ball receiver. Tyree kill already is the best deep ball receiver in the NFL. Right. So I think that there's going to be some push and pull there and it all comes back to two. And I just, I kind of agree with you that I feel like I'm very interested to see how this is going to happen. I'm probably going to want to watch it happen on somebody else's team, not my own. Yeah, is there is there anybody in this offense that you think when when it all shakes down when we're like on September 1st and your fantasy portfolio has been assembled, is there a dolphin player at any position that you think you're going to have a lot of shares of? No. No, I don't I don't yeah. think so. Because the, the backfield is weird too. I I think to a in a best case scenario like he's probably not a game-breaking fantasy quarterback, even if he turns out to be a great starting quarterback, right? Because he's probably not going to run the ball a ton uh, on his own. He's probably not going to, you know, throw. I wouldn't expect him to throw a ton of touchdowns, so which is kind of what you need. And hey, maybe we're wrong. Like maybe Mike McDaniel's just a, an offensive genius that designs the hell out of this thing. And like they have two great receivers. That's a lot of uh, a lot. Like that's a lot of a building block right there. You know, Mike Gesicki, a pretty versatile player in his own right too. And you know, Cedric Wilson. They added him. Like they have depth at the receiver spot it just again i i don't know that there's going to be a scenario where if we both decide like to pass up on these guys that there's a scenario where i'm absolutely kicking myself because i didn't draft jalen waddle like maybe he ends up being a really good player but i don't think it's gonna like make or break your fantasy season i guess the way i think of it yeah yeah i dare my opponents if, if they beat me with waddle they beat me with tyree kill they beat me with two i can sleep at night i'm, I'm not going to draft proactively to those guys yeah. Um, all right. Devonta Smith. Now he's a guy I think I might want to proactively draft. Obviously they add AJ Brown and I think AJ Brown is like, he has top five wide receiver talent. I said that the night that they traded for him, like he is a total beast, you know, absolutely destroys man coverage, press coverage. He's I think an underrated separator and underrated route runner. He's just, and he's obviously awesome at the catch point. Awesome. After the catch, I actually think the more I thought about this duo, the more I think that the areas where Devontae Smith, who is a great separator and a great, you know, guy, he, he was out there as the Eagles ISO X receiver 
with not much else, you know, for defenses to worry about at the wide receiver position. I mean, Jalen Rager, Quez Watkins, like, you know, Watkins is a decent little player, but obviously Jalen Rager can be a break. Like he was out there. He was out there, you know, running the most difficult routes and getting separation, but not great at the catch point. Obviously there's a size factor there, you know, not great uh, after the catch. That's the areas where Brown can really compliment Devonta Smith. And I think that, they can use A.J. Brown sort of like in advantageous situations too. move him into the slot, all that. So I think this duo complements each other really well. The question obviously is, what is the overall structure of the offense going to look like? We saw them basically have two different identities last year, super pass heavy and super run heavy to end the year. And by the way, they were better when they were a super run heavy offense. But it is how do you mesh that with the quarterback? So I, I, where do you feel like this offense goes as a whole and where does Jalen hurts kind of stack up in the equation for you? Yeah, this is another fascinating team. You know, this is the, at least in the fantasy era, I can't remember a season where as many marquee skill talent players change teams. And in the case of receiver, what's fascinating is you think, look at the very top of, of the receiver board, you know, where Tyreek Hill goes to Miami, Devonte Adams goes to Vegas A.J. Brown went to Philadelphia. You can argue that all three of these players are making quarterback downgrades. Yes. Uh, I mean, look, I realize we're early in, into his career. We're still early in Jalen Hurts' career. So I have to be open-minded to the fact that they could become better. I don't think anybody, even the biggest Derek Carr fan ba- fanboy, would ever say he's better than Aaron Rodgers. That's just I'm open. Chris, I'm open to for A.J. Brown, to Ryan Tannehill, to Jalen Hurts being a lateral move. I'm, the other two, like I think are, I agree with you, clear downgrades. I think if Jalen Hurts, that, that, could, that one could – be at worst a lateral move, but but still could be a downgrade. I'm I'm, I'm that's fair. That that's well. fair. And, and also, I I I have to say when when you mentioned Jalen Rager, it's like you know um, that he's he's going to be like to the Eagles is like the Patriots feel about Nikhil Harry that it wasn't bad enough that they took Rager, but then Justin Jefferson, who's like this w- you know once in a, in a decade type of receiver, you know comes up and, and just <laughs> yeah. blows up the league. It's Terrible. just amazing to think of how late he was drafted and uh, another guy I, I want to get on as many rosters as I can. And of course, Minnesota's usage tree, their passing tree is so narrow too. I mean, that's the problem with a lot of teams are just spreading the ball out so much. Minnesota, even with the new coaching staff, I don't, I don't think they have the talent to spread it out. It's just going to be so much of it's going to be Jefferson, but uh, Philadelphia is much like Miami. They're fascinating to me because I see a lot of different things here. You know, somehow Miles Sanders didn't have a touchdown last year with all the touches how many games did we watch Hertz play and say, you know, he really didn't play well today. And there he was quarterback five or quarterback four because he was great in garbage time, or he he did a lot of running or he ran in some touchdowns. I share everything you say about AJ Brown. I'll echo. He's just, he's a monster. He can run every route. He he can score from anywhere on the field. Any, any play, any highlight you watch could be an AJ Brown touchdown. It doesn't matter how many defenders in the picture. It doesn't matter how dead the play looks. AJ Brown can make it into a highlight. And that that's just special to have a guy like that. I thought Devonta Smith was really good last year in an offense that didn't always have a, a downfield identity. If you draft Devonta Smith, and this isn't always easy to do, but I would want to mix it with, you think about you're making it like a beverage or something, or you're making a meal and you have to have things to complement each other. If I have a guy like Devonta Smith who won't be a huge target guy or maybe a huge reception guy, Maybe a, a nice receiver on that team could be Hunter Renfro, who may catch a hundred balls or, or something like that. I did, I'd like to balance him out with somebody who might have more of a drumbeat, a projectable weekly volume. Where Smith, I, I get receivers. Almost every receiver has a boomer bust element, but I feel like Smith might be heavy to the boomer bust element. I agree, yeah. So I, I'd like to try to 
again, if, if I've rostered Smith, which I'm open to doing, it's it's not that I'm I'm walking into drafts thinking, okay, Devonta Smith's going to be on my team. How am I going to make this work out? But I'm open to drafting him. You, certainly, you know, it's it's a I like the talent, and I thought he did a lot last year in not a great situation. I just feel like there's going to be a lot of games where he's not a big part of what they do for different reasons. You know, maybe Brown blows up that day. Maybe they control it with the running game. I do think the Eagles actually are the best talented, the most talented team in this division. I don't think it's Dallas. I think it's Philadelphia. The Eagles defense and their schedule is interesting to me. I've, I've been scooping that up in late rounds of drafts. Not that you come here for that talk, but um, <laughs> I'm not against having Devonta Smith on my team. I, I just want, I want more volume from my other receivers because he's just not going to be a volume guy. Yeah, I think a spike week player certainly that could be in the range of outcomes for Devonta Smith. Um, good, good, good player though, and he's going at wide receiver thirty three in these early best ball drafts. Like Jalen Waddle, we talked about earlier, wide receiver seventeen. Like there's a huge gap there, and I actually don't think the outlook might be that different between the two guys. Let me, let me ask you this, Matt: um, If you were in a dynasty league, or even if you were just an, a real real life NFL GM, would you rather have Waddle or Smith, the two Alabama guys? Which guy do you think has a better career? Tough question. I think it's two different answers, too. I think in Dynasty, I probably want Jalen Waddle. But then in real life, I think I kind of want Devonta Smith. And I'm not actually sure why. No, I, feel I think you're right. I, I think you're right. I think Waddle's got that safer floor. Yeah. Because he's, he's, he's just got a profile where, you know, he caught 100 balls as a, as a rookie, you know, I, where it's like, but Smith is somebody who can threaten the defense and can maybe just impose your will or what you want to do. Maybe, as you said, Waddle did grade out well downfield. So it's not, I don't want to make Waddle out to be like he's some guy who's just running hitches all day. But although last year he pretty much was, a lot of times he was that, <laughs> but, but but not for any lack of his ability. Right. Uh, but it, it is, it's just fun though. When when guys are, you know, when, when guys are linked together, when they're drafted back to back or when they're from the same team, you know, Jefferson and Chase, as we talked about, were on that LSU team together. You know, the Alabama conveyor belt. You know, I, I know a lot of people who play fantasy will say like, oh, yeah, I don't watch that much college or something. It's like, well, you know, I can tell you the five teams to watch, you know, I mean, right. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. you know, w- watch every Georgia game, watch every Alabama game, you know, and, and we, we know all the, the mess of realignment now where we're, we're moving towards two super oh conferences God, yeah. if we aren't there already. Uh, and geography means nothing, Matt, you know, uh, or I used to joke with my mom. I'd ask her, like, you know, how many teams are in the Big Ten? She'd say 10. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> how many teams are in the Pac-10? 10? No, no. <laughs> you know, the number doesn't mean anything anymore. But um, it's, it's, it's just fun. You know, even back, you mentioned A.J. Brown. I mean, Andy and I were reminiscing just how fun it was that him and Metcalf and um, the Bills tight end, whose name escapes me right now, we're all on the same team. Uh, Dawson Knox, right? Dawson Knox, you know, the former high school quarterback. I just, it's just fun to think of all these guys on the same team. Or, you know, at one point, Alabama had what Alvin Kamara and Derrick Henry and um, uh, maybe uh, so it's one other talented running back on that team. These are just where the conveyor belts of talent are. So it's, it's going to be fun to watch the Alabama guys go. And I think you're right. I think Waddle's probably the safer dynasty pick. But if I were starting a real life franchise, I think Smith would be the guy I'd gravitate towards. Well, you set up a beautiful transition here because you talk about all those like talented Ole Miss receivers, uh, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, one of the guys who wasn't playing a ton when those two were out there, but did come out of Ole Miss a couple of years later. Elijah Moore is the next guy we're talking about here. And AJ Brown has actually said, Elijah Moore will be better than me, which is an interesting wow. thing. And and listen, here's here's the thing with Elijah Moore. This guy is such a good football player. Like he is just unbelievably good at every part of the game. And he was the guy that most people talked about as a potential slot receiver only player coming out of Ole Miss because of his size. He ran a ton of routes out of the slot as a collegiate player, but can beat man coverage, can beat press coverage. And mostly last year 
was used again, like just like we talked about with Devonta Smith, mostly used as an outside X receiver and still popped off for some incredible games, but not with the starting quarterback, right? And Zach Wilson, by the way, Zach Wilson's been in the news lately. We won't talk about exactly why, but he's been in the news lately. Uh, Zach Wilson, though, he's a tough guy to evaluate because Scott, you look at this Jets lineup right now, it's like. I think Elijah Moore, I, I agree with AJ Brown. Like he's going to be a superstar. I'm, I'm very confident in the pure player ability there. Garrett Wilson, really good player. They took a 10th overall. Corey Davis, like I think Corey Davis is kind of more of a jag, but he's a starter. He's a really good like third receiver for them to have there. They beefed up the tight end room. They beefed up the running back room. The offensive line got reinforcements, but is the quarterback good? That's the question worth asking. <laughs> Right. It's funny how, how so many of these teams fit the same shape where they've built. This is why I always feel bad for Bears fans, because at least if you're a Dolphins fan or you're an Eagles fan, or you're a Jets fan. You're like, you know what? Our team is trying to support our quarterback. They're putting their chips in. You know, they're you know, they draft a, a receiver in the first round. And man, did Ohio State have to you know, we talk about how there aren't that many college teams you have to watch. I mean, if, you, if you like receiver play, Ohio State was just a yeah. blast to watch last year where a different receiver was making a highlight film catch on every drive. So I can't wait to see what what Wilson does, what Alave does this year in New Orleans. But I'm with you on Elijah Moore. I I just don't know what to do with with Zach Wilson. And I have I know this is unfair, but I mean the Jets obviously drafted a really early quarterback before Wilson and Sam Darnold, who we we all know the Sam Darnold story. I mean every once in a while he'd, he'd show you promise for a couple of games and you'd be teased by it. And obviously he had the draft pedigree and you know he was a good player at USC and all that. But ultimately, it was a disappointment. And even last year, I was willing to talk myself into, okay, well, the Panthers are, are better off with, with Darnold. He's escaping Gase and all that stuff. And then just everything was just a big old mess to the point now that I'm talking myself into Baker Mayfield. That's, that's where I'm at with Carolina. But I don't know. There's just a wide range of outcomes with, with Zach Wilson. I, I think it could be, we could be saying at the end of the year, like Zach Wilson's the most improved player in the league. And it's not unheard of. You know, John Elway was horrible as a rookie. Terry Bradshaw was horrible as a rookie. I, Troy Aikman was horrible as a rookie. There's d- different reasons for that. I mean, lot, these guys were on some really bad football teams. Um, but, you know, L.A. didn't know what he was doing. And then he was super improved his second year. We, we saw uh, Goff took a really big step up his second year. Wentz took a big step up in his second year. I, mean, I don't really know who those guys are now, but we'll talk about Goff probably a little bit later. But I just feel like there's a really wide range. And, and the second-year quarterbacks, man, I mean, it was just such a lost year. I mean, Lawrence was thrown to the worst coaching situation possible. Uh, Trey Lance came into the league where he hadn't played a lot the previous year. And then the Niners had a, a capable incumbent that they could ride with. Uh, I don't like, obviously nobody likes what the bears did with fields pretty much. Mac Jones is just a vanilla guy. Not bad, but you know, I don't think he's ever going to be a star. He, you know, he could be a solid player for 12 years, but I don't think he's ever going to be a face of the magazine cover MVP candidate, anything like that. I, I'm all here for Davis Mills talk. I, I think he, <laughs> what, what might end up going is, as the value of that draft, but, Matt, I don't know. I wish I had a better answer on this, and, I, and I'm curious for your take. I I don't think Zach Wilson's going to be okay. I think he's going to be like, oh, my God, the Jets got drafted another quarterback, or wow, Zach Wilson really got better. I, I feel like this this is a fork in the road season for him, and we're going to have – and, and I, I try not to be too hot takey about this because the world isn't binary. The world is generally gray, and, and, and things usually don't have clear answers. And, and a lot of times we, that's why we debate this stuff. That's why we have differences of opinion. 
But my gut says that at the end of the year, we're going to have a really strong sense of if Zach Wilson's good or not. And it's going to be like, oh, my God. Yeah, they got it right. It, the first year, give him a mulligan. The offensive line disintegrated and you know, he lost his confidence. It was a different coaching staff, you know, a new coaching staff for him and all that stuff. Or we're going to be saying, uh, uh, yeah, reboot, you know, unplug the video game and plug it back in again. You don't have the right guy. I, I don't really know what to do with this. And it's a shame because I love Elijah Moore. I, I love Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I even like even the support guys, even the guys who might not get on the field. I think Braxton Berrios is a useful right. player. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's funny you said Corey Davis was a jag because not only do I think that's probably fair assessment. Corey Davis will be in the Jaguars some some year. He'll be signed. The, the Jaguars will sign him. Like <laughs> he'll make his way back the to the after. AFC South. Yeah, yes. he'll make his. He way just back destined there. to be there, and he'll probably have one of those like you know Marvin Jones ish like eight hundred and seventy yards and six touchdowns. We're like, hey, you know, you're getting something out of Corey Davis. Then the week you play him, he'll have fifteen yards. But uh, what's our take on what's your temperature? Take the temperature on Zach Wilson because I think he's the key to figuring out this offense. Yeah, I'm with you in that. I think that by the end of the year we'll have a really strong sense and. Uh, I I will I just what comes what it comes back to for me and I I don't know if this is because I just want to be in on Elijah Moore because I just firmly firmly believe that he is that good. I think when you just look at the again when you look at the surrounding talent for what Zach Wilson was playing with at the end of last year cuz we also have to remember too that like once Zach Wilson got back healthy and Elijah Moore had firmly established himself, then Moore got injured. So they just never really, like, they were kind of like, uh, you know, two star-crossed guys last year, just never really were on the same path. The the goofballs that Zach Wilson was playing with on the offensive line and at wide receiver by the end of last year is going to look very different than, like, the guys he lines up with in week one this year because this offense really is that talented. And I agree with you that I think that, I'm kind of on the optimistic side with Zach Wilson. Like, there's just not a lot of promise to go off from from his rookie year. There's a lot of bad there. But I do think that with the way this offense has been set up, and I believe in the offensive system, too. Like, when you watch this team play, like, I think Mike LaFleur had some pretty good concepts in place there. So I kind of believe... I kind of want to believe in the Zach Wilson experience. And I, I think that does come back to Elijah Moore. And, like, when you just look at the the guys he's going around in drafts right now, like... Darnell Mooney, Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper, then like after him, Devonta Smith, Adam Thielen, Russell Gage. Like I, I kind of want to take Elijah Moore in that tier as the, as the top guy. Yeah, let me let me make my my ultimate final answer here clear for everybody. I'm more in on Zach Wilson being good than I'm out on it. If I had to pick a lane, I'd I'd pick the pro lane. I am in on Elijah Moore. And I also want people to know that you know we're doing the team preview um, series. We obviously we're doing the Lions later today. The Jets, I believe, are the next team off the runway. We're working on a really good Jets guest for that too. So, if you're hot, if we've we've you know got <laughs> you all ready hot, to talk Jets, <laughs> yeah. If you're hot and bothered for Zach Wilson talk, man, uh, we're gonna have more of it later this week with, with Liz Loza and maybe a secret guest uh, to be named later. So uh, there's more there to come go. on that. But it sounds like we're both. Checking the box for Elijah Moore. I, I can definitely sign off on that. Perfect. All right, let's talk another one of the guys I'm just all the way in on. that, And I, I'm curious where you fall because of some of the like non-individual player concerns. R- Rashad Bateman, man. I mean, I think Bateman is is ready to be like a legit number one receiver. I think he is a different type of guy than the Ravens have ever had before. Like he's a player who can beat man coverage can line up as the X receiver can win on the backside can win on in breaking routes out breaking routes like again the type of player that the Ravens have not had certainly during the Lamar Jackson era but really probably haven't had it in even years before that um so I I'm very in on Rashad Bateman the player but obviously we know that 
you know, Mark Andrews is the number one target there most likely, but, and the Ravens want to run the ball, but Scott, I'm, I'm doing my projections right now. And like, I think it's very, very easy to project like a 40, 5% target share just to Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews in this offense. Cause the rest of the guys like are not, yes, it's like Devin Duvernay, James Prochet, like not target earners. Right. So like, I think that it's pretty easy to actually get both Bateman and like Mark Andrews to the, where you need to go with, with the way that we think the Ravens want to play. Yeah. You, you stole my, my little trivia question. I wanted to challenge the listener to, to name the rest of the Ravens receiver room after Rashad Bateman, because I mean, look, I mean, Devin, Devin Duvernay is like a really nice, like number four receiver return yeah. guy. You know, I, I would want him on my team. I don't want him as my number two or number three receiver. No. Um, I still feel like this is a team that if, if somebody becomes available, that they may look to add somebody. But when they now look, you you know more than anybody that receivers do different things. They have different skill sets. They run different routes. So it's not apples to apples when we compare guys. But when they did trade Hollywood Brown, that did signify that they obviously see a big role for Bateman and yes. that they think he's going to be an alpha. And and I don't think I think him and Andrews can actually work they can score in a complimentary fashion. I actually think 100%. this is a, it's a case where it, it's good for Bateman that Andrews is there and there's enough in this offense to go around. And, and remember, I believe Lamar Jackson led the league in touchdown passes or, or touchdown pass rate. Um, yes. his, MVP his MVP season, season you know, yeah. so it's like, you know, for all we talk about what a great athlete he is and what a great runner he is, let's not act like this offense can't score through the air. Obviously Andrews was a, a difference maker. One of the three or four right answers, in fantasy football last year. And just speaking of the Ravens more globally, I believe they were the most injured team in the league last year. Just another way of saying they oh, were yeah. really unlucky. I think the Ravens, I, I believe in the coaching infrastructure. They're, they're a team that's generally good every year. I don't know what the Browns are doing. The Steelers are kind of in a transition year. The Bengals did a lot of things right, go right when they went to the Super Bowl. Maybe regression comes into play, although I don't want to talk the Bengals down. I want to draft into Bengals, but I think the Ravens win this division, and I think Rashad Bateman is going to have... He's Now, the problem is I think a lot of people like Bateman. He's a, he's a person, the smarter your league is, the more you're going to have to elbow people out of the way to get Bateman on your team. That said, I want you to throw some elbows. I want you to get Bateman on your team. Yeah, I think he's going to be, like you said, one of the right answers next year. Um, and the key with the Ravens is health. Like you mentioned that, and like the offensive line, especially like tracking Ronnie Stanley's health, like they add Morgan Moses, like that was a big um, Achilles heel for this team last year was the fact that the offensive line fell apart quickly. Injuries and and, and falling apart uh, because of injuries. Well, that's a good transition to the New York Giants and Kadarius Tony. I am super curious where you're at with Kadarius Tony because He's a tough player to evaluate. Like just as an individual player, there's some <laughs> like our producer wrote on the outline like is he actually good? I think Kadarius Tony like is definitely good. It just depends on the role that he's in uh because I don't think he is like like the reports out of camp are that you know he and Kenny Galladay are going to be the two outside receivers and that's fine because I don't really think that Kadarius Tony's going to be like a pure X receiver. Like they're probably going to use him in the flanker spot, and like move him around pre-snap and Galladay will run and do whatever the hell he's doing as the pure X receiver. I'll tell you what, Kenny Galladay, not good last year. Like from an individual standpoint, like in isolation, not good. I don't know whether that's injuries or like, you know, there's obviously some non-generous things that you could say about why he wasn't good last year. He gets his payday and doesn't care anymore. I don't know about any of that stuff. Don't care about any of that stuff. I'm just telling you he was not good last year. Now, Kadarius Tony, I think, could project into like a Debo Samuel type of role. Not, And I'm not talking about like doing the running back stuff, but I'm talking about like 
being that pre-snap motion guy, being a, a player who's going to run mostly as an outside receiver, but is going to get very favorable routes like digs, slants, flat routes, and do a lot after the catch. And he, he's a pretty good zone beater too. So he, he's still raw as like a route runner. He's still raw as a technician is Kadarius Tony, but I think that there's a lot of potential there, but it, the freaking giants are a mess to kind of come, come around with. Now, the good thing about Kadarius, Tony Scott, is that like, unlike Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, if you're in on those players, like you kind of have to pay up to get them on your team. Kadarius, Tony's still going at a pretty reasonable ADP. And I think that's fair because of all of these questions that we're asking. Yeah. I think it was 186 targets last year between Galladay, Tony and Shepard. And they scored one touchdown collectively. I mean, that's really difficult to do. Yikes. Yeah. And yet, and, you know, producer John was talking about how the Giants in the second half last year, I mean, they were the, one of the worst offenses we'd ever seen. I mean, just and any defense you played against the Giants last year, it looked like the 85 Bears or the 2003 Buccaneers, or the 2001 Ravens, whatever. I mean, I, I, they just looked lost. And, you know, I, I think a, hard, a, a big thing for me when trying to figure out the Giants is, like, last year, like, I was, if we were talking this time last year, I would have told you how much I loved Arthur Smith and how much credit I gave him for Ryan Tannehill's emergence and, you know, AJ Brown's talented, but you know, AJ Brown being a really good player and stuff like that. And I don't, I'm not giving up on Arthur Smith, but I was disappointed. I was not thrilled with what happened in his first year in Atlanta. It's so hard to know attribution in football and where the credit lies or where the blame lies for that matter. Success has many parents and so does failure. How much did Brian Dable play into Josh Allen coming to league with with all these raw skills? And now he's, you could argue, the most valuable property in the league. He's he's one of the most valuable, of course. And you know, he's the number one fantasy quarterback. The Bills are probably the Super Bowl favorite right now. Brian Dable deserves some of that credit. Uh, and can he, can that pixie dust work for Daniel Jones? Because if Daniel Jones is good, then that means one of these guys we mentioned. And there's, there's you know, they're interesting players here. They, they have guys who do different things, as you say. I, I was very disappointed in Galladay last year. And I've actually, I've actually think he's been a little bit overrated to maybe notably overrated his entire career. Because I think people came, I think the expectations for him were just a little bit unrealistic. He was compared, oh, he's like Megatron 2.0. Nobody's Calvin Johnson yeah, 2.0. Yeah, right. Stop, stop with that. But um <laughs> I always end up drafting Sterling Shepard and kind of regretting it. Love you Sterling Shepard, but you know, man, I, he he gets open, he wins. But you, know, you talked before the pod about he may not be wet ready for Week One. You, know, Tony's a tough a tough call because yeah, when you tough. watched, if you saw him on the right day or on the right drive, you're like, oh my god, he reminds me so much of Odell Beckham. Look at the lateral movement on this guy; he's like a slinky. freaky movement. Yeah, freaky movement. But How then does the like body move that way. Yeah, and even to the point that like he makes one of those freaky moves again early on, like three plays into playing the Rams. And then he's, he like breaks his own ankle. He's out for, you know, several games. So the inj- there's, there's injury and off the field concerns with carries Tony, but I kind of feel like they're baked into his ADP at this for point. Sure, for sure. And, and the Brian Dayball thing, one point I, I wanted to make about Brian Dayball is like, even if he's not this quarterback whisperer, I still think from like a play design and like pace standpoint, like the way they're, they're going to play offense is going to be the way that we want like fantasy teams to play. Like the jump from Jason Garrett's designed offense to Brian Dable's designed offense, take the success out of it is still going to be night and day. Right. Um, this isn't always a, a perfect win for us, but j- just sometimes, even if Dable's just a good coach and he inherits a, a team that had bad coaching, it's upgrade, right? So yes. Uh, it, it is funny though how Tony, you know, he maybe he takes this Beckham thing to the comparisons a little too close to home because on the good days you think, oh, 
early early Beckham, and on the bad days you think, oh, Cleveland Beckham. Yeah, Cleveland. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you know, no, I want I want the early Odell Beckham, and I yeah. I know there's probably some people listening who are new to fantasy who maybe weren't around for that 2014 rookie receiver class, which changed all oh, the rules yeah. for rookies. Back then, the rule was rookie receivers. You're crazy. Don't draft these guys. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of them went in the first round. They're all going to disappoint you, and you know, maybe in year three or you know, and then we moved up to year two, and now it's like no, no, rookie receivers can be factors right away. The bottom line is this. You you hit the key with Tony is that he's not a hipster pick. People don't like his quarterback or they're not sure on his quarterback. And you can get Tony at count. You can kind of name your price on Tony. You know, he's the garage sale item that you see at one o'clock. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to go have lunch. I know this is still going to be here at 3.30 or 4 o'clock, and I'll decide what I want to do then. That's kind of where we're at with Katarius Tony. And, and he's also the type of player you want to draft once you've set your starters all you want to do is tell yourself a plausible upside story of the guys on your bench. Could this guy pop to the point that he's an every week starter for me? And if he's not, if, if you know, we see the bloom always talks about you know, stories developing and, you know, if the story doesn't develop, fine. You, you throw the film out and you pick up somebody else. So I, I think Darius Tony makes a lot of sense as a plausible upside guy for your bench. If you're not happy where the story's going in a few weeks, then you, you pick up somebody else. Yeah, he's not going to go. I, he's not currently in like really best ball drafts. And I doubt when redraft season comes around that he's going to go in the top 40 receiver picks. So, like, it's all upside there. Um, let's group Rondale Moore in with like this other because Rondale Moore didn't even play wide receiver last year. So, like, I don't even know what, what we're like, what we're going to do with that. Um, let's group him in with these other guys. One big group here. I'm, I'm talking Rondale Moore, Terrace Marshall, Dwayne Eskridge, Tutu Atwell please. Josh Palmer, Deami Brown, Amari Rogers, Nico Collins, Anthony Schwartz. Anybody in this group kind of jump out to you. Maybe one or two guys jump out to you. as like, Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this player. Yeah. Uh, Palmer, if anybody ever got hurt, if he ever had any reason to move up the depth chart, you know, man, yeah. Justin Herbert targets. Yes. I mean, the ability to win downfield. Yes. And Nico Collins, I thought, I, again, I'm I'm a Davis Mills truther, truther, and they don't have a lot of talent. I, Brandon Cooks is good, and I think people, I think the fantasy community has been really, there's been a, a solid drumbeat of, you know, this guy's always underrated. You get what you pay for with him. You probably a little bit of profit, but there's room for other guys there. And even though Mills, they'll probably draft over his head, you know, in a year or so, but I think he could have like a Ryan Fitzpatrick type of career. And I mean, that as a compliment, like he could be in the league yeah, for yeah, 15 yeah. years. You know, uh, so Nico Collins is one of my favorite late round picks, especially in the best ball format. And, you're, you're, and man, you're so right with Atwell. The Rams do so many things right, but Atwell was not one of the things they got what right. The but was that? Yeah. Uh, you know, Rondell Moore and by extension, Cliff Kingsbury, right? I mean, one of my favorite kind of like pseudo trivia questions is like, who was the last team to lose in the NFL last year? It was the Arizona Cardinals. You know, they were the last undefeated team. And yeah, then they just wild. fell, they just fell apart and guys got hurt and Kyler didn't want to run anymore. And, and yeah, I, Kingsbury, he's another guy I can't really decide. Sometimes I see his offense. I'm like, wow, it's really creative. It's different. And it's, it's, it attacks. It, it threatens the whole field. And other times I'm like, wait a minute, he gets, it's, he gets quarterback killed and it's kind of gimmicky. And I don't, I don't know if I believe in this. They couldn't figure out what to do with Rondell Moore last year. And it, I'll say this about Rondell Moore. And again, go back to the bloom idea of, you know, a story that develops quickly. If you draft Rondell Moore as a plausible upside guy in your team, I think you'll have a really quick idea of if this is working or not. And if you want to hold on or not, you're not going to have to wait six weeks or eight weeks. I think by week two or week three, you'll be like, okay, I'm either in the Rondell Moore business or I'm out. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And I'll, I'll agree with you too on Nico Collins. He was the guy of this group that really stands out to me. And like, he is totally free in drafts. Like you could take him literally you're, you're, you're really like an 18 round best ball draft. He's going to probably go in the last round, but like he has legit X receiver traits. I'm with you that Davis Mills is not, terrible like he might not be great but he's not terrible he showed some promise last year and nico collins like i think is a poor man's t higgins type of player um, yeah my buddy john hansen like talks him. about he talks about mr relevant like how to make a, a last round pick really count nico collins is one of those guys put put a little star on his name and try to get him and don't don't be cute with it you don't have to jump in front of other people yeah you know, unless you're drafting against matt or you know evan silver or somebody but <laughs> yeah, um like you get he's a guy who wait till the rest of the room you know half i bet in a common league in a very casual league i bet half your league doesn't even know who nico collins is 100 percent true all right let's move to the detroit lions here because uh, this team is interesting like like you said up top for fantasy I, i'm gonna write a piece over the next couple of weeks uh, about like the most actually i might have to write it today i kind of forget when it's due anyways point is here uh the teams that are like we have to get right for fantasy this year and i think the lions are right in that conversation because there's a, for once a lot of like talented players here. They really didn't have any big time subtractions last year. Their only real big time addition was DJ Chark, who was terrible last year when he before he got hurt with the Jaguars. Hasn't really been good in the last two years, frankly, as an individual player. But I do think adds depth to their receiver room. So maybe let's start off with kind of how you feel about this team as a whole before we get into some of the more like micro player decisions. Yeah, they're a really difficult team to figure out because they have. Last year, they have a guy pop at the end of the year in St. Brown when other people are hurt. They draft a first-round receiver who, I think in Jameson Williams, who everybody loves the talent, but it's just open question what type of what type of rookie year he's going to have because he's just not going to be ready right away. And the Lions, I mean, look, I, I get this, this kind of a little buzz of like, oh, they're like a fun, like, NFC North sleeper, you know, maybe, the, you know, you get a good price on them or whatever. But I think the Lions know who they are. They're a team that's trying to move in the right direction. They want the arrow pointed upward, but there's no reason to, to rush Jameson Williams back on the field. You, you know, they basically want to get his feet wet at some point this year and then unleash him on the league next season. So I don't think he, I actually don't think he's draftable. I don't think he's going to be in the way of yeah, whatever you think of the other guys. The two guys who I'm always befuddled with here because they're so talented and i feel like they could literally be, they could be like the one of the top two or three players at their position deandre swift and tj hawkinson and i i'm a little bit discouraged that a lot of people who i respect in the industry are in on swift and i, I just think the price is going to be uh, I, I was just um i'm in my fishbowl draft and i had a choice of swift and aaron jones and i went the safer route with jones even though jones is older and everything i i, I don't know just better ecosystem to use the word you've said seven times in this podcast don't play but, a drinking but, game with me and podcasts and ecosystems you'll be in the yeah, hospital yeah you you it'll be freshman year all over again it won't, <laughs> it, won't, it won't be pretty it won't be pretty um kind of like you, you you'll be cleaning up in the morning like i was cleaning up after my dog this morning that was not pretty either but uh, you know I, I don't know if i want it too bad i just i know deandre swift has that right answer upside and yeah you know, jamal williams is, is a good player and the lions like him and everything but that doesn't mean swift can't be the the 70 percent of this backfield with hawkinson again it's that chicken egg thing right i mean do you want him to be at one point with the lions there's been junctures where he's been the off the bus we have to stop hawkinson guy now they have a good enough receiver room that that probably goes away yeah and the thing the thing with jared goff i think people have to remember is that okay yeah i, I know he went what number two in his draft class or one one or two I one forget which one first it was. overall one yeah so 
he probably in a different draft might have gone 11th or 9th or 15th. I mean, yeah, he was a legitimate first-round pick, but he kind of was like, well, the best quarterback here, so we're going to take him. He's a good player. He's not a great player. He's not Matthew Stafford. He's not going to the Super Bowl. He's good enough. for. He obviously was good enough for St. Brown last year. He's somebody who, in leagues where you need multiple starters, I'm perfectly fine if Jared Goff is my second or third starter. You know, I, in an MFL or a best ball draft, a Yahoo best ball draft, I, you know, the fishbowl, he would make sense, which is a very quarterback heavy. And, and by the way, I hope I hope people go and, and check out what's going on in the fishbowl because you can get a sense of – it's really hard to figure out perception and market trends and all that. The fishbowl will give you all of that because everybody who writes yeah. about fantasy is in the freaking thing. Yeah. Scott Fish, plus, plus a bunch of people – you know, quote unquote regular, you know, guys and girls, but really good fantasy players are in it too. There's some celebrities in it. There's some musicians in it. Uh, you know, Scott Fish is just a, a great human being. And, and yeah. the way, the idea, you know, and Justin Mason does this uh, on a little bit smaller scale for fantasy baseball. Just let's get everybody in a draft room at the same time and see what happens and throw out like the funkiest scoring systems. You have to get used to the scoring system when you digest the ADP. So I'll throw out that disclaimer. But uh, yeah, Jared Goff would be welcome on my fishball team. But Swift and Hawkinson, the guys I struggle with, and also St. Brown, too, because a guy who came into the league, you know, what, fourth-round pick, you know, okay, made the team, that's that's nice. You know, he wasn't playing a lot right away. And then things fell perfectly for him, and he's like the what wide receiver two in the, in the fantasy playoffs and just blew up. But now Chark's here. Now Hawkinson's back. Now Swift is back. It, what type of player is St. Brown with, with everybody else? I think he's. I think he's actually too good to like fall apart. I don't think it's, it's going to be like, oh my god, remember the the crazy one season that St. Brown had. I don't think we're going to be saying that, but I don't really know where to draft him. I bottom line, I think the Lions are on the way up. I think they're going to win. I think they're going to beat their win total. I, I think they actually do have like a puncher's chance in the division, only because I think you can talk down the other three teams in the division. Ultimately, Goff probably isn't good enough. The defense probably isn't there yet, but it's going to be a fun team. And and you. I, I, I realize I'm giving more answers than questions, but uh, more questions than answers, I should say. But I like the way you frame this, that this is the team to get, we need to get right. Yeah. Because there's there's enough. If you if you land on, if this is the right DeAndre Swift year, you're going to wish you had that guy. If this is the right Hawkinson year, you're going to wish you had that guy. I think I'm more green light on Swift. I'm more yellow light on Hawkinson. I, I think Goff, again, in deeper quarterback leagues is a great pick. You're not coming here for, you know, for deep league quarterback advice, but... And I'm, I'm yellow to really close. I, I cross between green and yellow on St. Brown, who I think is a tough call, but I, I think he's going to keep he's going to keep the majority of what we showed at the end of last year. I think he's going to catch 85 balls, something like that. He may just be for five touchdowns, but I think he'll be if he's like your third receiver. I think you've done really well. I completely agree with you, and I actually want to push. I think I could push you from yellow to green on St. Brown only because number one, just a baller. I mean, a good player. Uh, he's not like. And Elijah Moore or Rashad Bateman, like a true outside number one receiver that's going to get open versus man press coverage at every level of the field. But like I called him um, Bud Light Cooper Cup in my pre-draft write up. And I mean, I, it'd be a shout out to me ends up going to the team with the Rams front office guy, the former Rams quarterback. And like that role just overlaps with what Jared Goff wants, like the, the way he wants to play football so well. Um, and I think that that's why he's going to keep that role which is the the most crucial part of this like obviously scott he's not gonna have the target totals that he did to end last year but nobody's asking 
you know, believe that, right? Because like he goes off the board barely, like as wide wide receiver thirty, like he's consensus ranked wide receiver thirty ish in fantasy pros. Like he's not. Nobody believes that he's gonna do what he did to end last year, right? Like nobody's asking you to believe he's gonna have a thirty percent target share, but that crucial role I think is important. And you know, like I love your point about Jared Goff too, that he's a guy that. He's not going to be an individual needle mover, but he's more than good enough to get the ball to good players, right? We even saw that with St. Brown last year. So I'm a I'm a green light on St. Brown at his ADP because I think his role is so valuable, not just to the Lions, but just from a receiver standpoint. Like these guys, like these great zone beaters that work the middle of the field, like a like a Cooper Cup, like a like a Debo Samuel. Like these guys are super valuable for fantasy and for real life. Um Hawkinson's the guy. Before you go to Hawkinson, let me just jump in St. Brown. I I love the way you frame that because what what St. Brown does, when he he wins in the middle of the field, when he wins on that option right on third down, he makes it a really easy decision for Jared Goff. He drops back. Okay, St. Brown had had an option route. He he made his choice. He beat his guy. I throw the ball, nine-yard gain, first down. Yeah, that's going to be something. Jared Goff is going to come back to that over and over and over again. And also, I love the, the fact that you mentioned it's so easy when somebody blows up out of nowhere and then the regression police come in and say, regression, regression, the player's not that good. Well, when a player blows up out of nowhere, this usually goes one of two directions. Either it's a player that everybody believed in to, to start with and then the price gets sky high the next year or it's a player that people are like, oh, I didn't see this coming. We're, this was a, you know, kind of a shock that St. Brown blew up football at the end of last year. And so people don't want to touch the player the next year. They almost feel like I'm not going to be that sucker. Armand Ron St. Brown can do something. One of my favorite things that a fantasy player can do. He can regress a fair amount and yeah, still return yeah, yeah, value exactly. on his ADP. I love yeah. drafting into a player like that. Yeah, hundred percent. Like he's just set up to, to succeed in this role in this offense with this target chair too. And um, the, the one point I, I would make on him as, as well is like you said that, yeah, for sure. Like when Jared Goff drops back, that's, he's going to be there. That's super reliable. It's a quarterback proof role. I also think that, you have to look at overall team success with a player like this. Like he was number one, like getting the promotion to a starting receiver. Like when you look at snaps played routes run after his bye week before guys like were getting injured left and right, you know, before Deandre Swift was hurt before TJ Hawkinson was hurt. So that promotion was already coming. It also coincided with, Dan Campbell taking over the play calling duties, Anthony Lynn kind of getting pushed to the side as the offensive coordinator. And now Ben Johnson is the offensive coordinator there. So like, and these guys come like, especially Dan Campbell comes from a very, we think of him as like a oh, grit guy, you know, whatever, but they, they come, he comes from the saints offense comes from like the Sean Payton coaching tree. Like uh, I think there's going to be a lot more pass attempts than we think here. And these high percentage pass attempts that go to Amon Ross St. Brown, there's going to be a lot of that. And I think also like too, that, they were pretty decent to end the year last year. They were 500 in those four games when, you know, freaking Amon Ross St. Brown is breaking fantasy football. Like that matters a lot when projecting going forward. But um, yeah, I think we're, we're pretty, we're pretty in lockstep with some of these pass catchers. Hawkinson. I agree. Like he's not a, a proactive pick to me, but I just want to finish here with, with Deandre Swift. Like, cause I agree with you that I think if you, the guy that, that you, if you miss out on the Deandre Swift year, He's going to be the one that like really would would could potentially tilt fantasy leagues, right? Like I think even if Amon Ross St. Brown hits, like he catches ninety balls for eleven hundred yards and scores like eight touchdowns, like de- definitely returns value on ADP, but doesn't like probably doesn't break fantasy football, right? But like DeAndre Swift, I think is a guy that could do that. 
And he's a tough guy to project though, because you have to spend like a, you know, fringe first round pick early second round pick for him. You have to take him over guys like Aaron Jones. You know, you have to debate against guys like Aaron Jones, you know, these proven players. And DeAndre Swift is a great pass catcher. He hasn't necessarily been a great pure runner so far. So when you come down to it, like your final rankings, where do you think Swift will be in terms of running backs? An early second round pick and somebody who I could see maybe being in the first round next year. Um, I want to, I, the bottom line is this, and maybe it's FOMO speaking, but I don't want to talk to you, Matt, in early September and say, Oh yeah, you know what? Why did I, why do I not have DeAndre Swift on some teams? I, I'm just, a couple of times I'm just going to take him because I, I want to be, I want to be in. And and you can say whether or not this is the right fantasy advice or ethos to follow, but I, I don't want to be left behind if this is the year that the DeAndre Swift rocket ship takes off. I felt like that at times last year, honestly, with with DeAndre Swift, and he wasn't even like that. He was he was a super great fantasy player last year, especially in like PPR leagues. But all right, so let's just like again, this last thing we'll do here. But I assume you take Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook over him. Yep. What about Najee Harris? Najee Harris, him or DeAndre Swift? I, I just lean Harris because I just think the touches are safer. Um... Harris, but I think I think Swift is a better player than Harris, but I would take Harris. What about Joe Mixon? The Bengals ecosystem just they're just going to yeah, be in scoring yeah, position yeah. more often. I ha- I have to pay mind to that. And then you you pick you literally picked Aaron Jones over DeAndre Swift, so I'm assuming you right. Go. So what so what happens is like I, I tell you like Jones, yeah Jones, you know go Jones, Greenlight Jones, and then I'm telling you I'm taking all these guys over him. And the problem is if I'm going to have that stance, I may not get. DeAndre Swift. So what may end up happening is I may get, and, and I'll admit I do this sometimes. I may get in a draft later this year where it's Jones or Smith. I, I might just say I, I want to have diversity and I take Swift. Yeah, I feel like that's probably the right answer. I I I love Aaron Jones. I really am in on Aaron Jones this year. I think I could take I could be talked into taking Swift over Mixon, but yeah, he's he's a tough. You have to pay like kind of the iron price to get him. Basically, is the way we're saying it. All right, Scott, this has been awesome. Super, super in-depth discussion about receivers, about the Lions. Um, I think we all, hopefully people out there enjoyed. Hopefully people uh, feel pretty good about it. Me too. Me too. And, you know, again, I hope we whetted your appetite for the the Jets, you know, the podcast of the year that's coming uh, (laughs) on the New York Jets, piloted by Liz Loza later in the week. But um, I'm getting excited, man. It's, you know, know. it's mid-July, you know. I mean, August is really draft season. So what what do we do in in July? You know, we're doing best ball drafts. We're we're getting the the first set of ranking set. You you said you're working on your projections. Yeah. Um. This is, I had my I had see. my projections up on the on the three screen setup over there, and um my my wife actually came and worked in the office with me yesterday, and she's like, what what are you doing? Like just like spreadsheet on spreadsheet on spreadsheet open on the three screen. She's like, what the hell are you doing over there? I'm like, oh, so I'm I'm working through like league wide averages on run run pass rate. She's like, how are you possibly this excited about this? You're the biggest loser on planet Earth. So there you go. Well, also you, all, you I love the way you get your cheat sheet onto one page where the way it's bracketed and everything. It's so user friendly. I've, I've actually I've stolen your cheat sheet before and just you know change all the rankings into from your wrong answers <laughs> to my right answers but i just love the design of it you are uh you, uh, you are a gifted uh man of the spreadsheet 
Yeah, uh, I I didn't even I'm not even the one that that came up with that uh, cheat sheet. I uh, had somebody do that for me all the and now I do it myself. But yeah, so uh, shout out to that person. But anyways, all right. Well, we've talked enough, Scott. That's that's gonna do it for us. Uh, follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. You can follow my fellow underscore brother Scott at Scott underscore Pianowski. And while you're there, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy Liz and Dalton. As Scott has hyped up several times during the podcast, we'll be back later this week with a preview of the spike. I see New York Jets and a whole lot more. Until then, we're out. <laughs> 